0: Because I want all of us, when we go out of here, to go make disciples. I think that's the impetus of our, of our calling as Christians. We, um, this is why we need to do this. C.S. Lewis says, "Can you turn the mic down, just a little bit?" C.S. Lewis says, "The church doesn't exist for no other reason." than to make little Christ. To make little Christ. In other words, if we're not making disciples, then why are we here? We are here to make disciples. So as you have your Bibles open to Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20, Please follow along as I read it. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, As I have stated, this is a very familiar text. As a Christian Missionary Alliance denomination, one of our major focus is the Great Commission. That's why we have a Great Commission fund to send missionaries from either this church, like Miss Abernathy, who we gave some money to so she can go to the mission field, or we give it to the Central district, so they can give the money to the missionaries. So, as a Christian Missionary Alliance, we this is one of our pillars as a church. Let me uh, set the scene. The scene is this this is when the Lord has risen from the grave, it had to be at least. Four weeks that have passed from the time that he has risen. He commanded the, the disciples to go to Galilee to where he was going to meet them. And this is going to be the very last time that he have, he's going to see the disciples and the disciples to see him. It's a good chance when thinking about the Gospel of John that the apostles went back to their daily lives of what they were used to prior to coming to the, in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Majority of the disciples were fishermen. They fish for a living. This is one of the illustrations that Jesus gave uh, Peter. When Peter recognized that who the Lord is... And Peter said, after the Lord told him to cast a net on the other side to gather a lot of fish, Peter said, Lord, please leave me. I am a sinful man. But Peter went back to his normal daily life. He went back fishing. So to give us an idea of what they were doing prior to going to Galilee, prior to going to the mountain of Olivet, which is the Mount of Olives, according to Acts chapter 1. So as Jesus instructed his disciples to go to Galilee, to a mountain that is called Olivet, he told them at least four times that he will be risen. That he will be risen. He said, after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. He said that in Matthew twenty-eight thirty-two, uh, Matthew 28, verse 7 and verse 10 and 16, he said that repeatedly that he will go before them to this particular mountain. It was there on this mountain that Jesus would begin their, help them begin their own ministry. And this is very important because it gives the disciples a starting point. They were in ministry with Jesus Christ for three to the half, three and a half years at the most. So after Christ was buried, then raised from the grave, he said he would go before them. And it is on this particular mountain that he had met them. And it's very important, as I just mentioned. This is a a starting point for the disciples to start their own ministry. In fact, If we give an account of all the Gospels, of how they end their Gospel, we see that in Luke, at the end of the chapter, it's really the beginning of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Let me give you several things that I think will help us to make disciples. The first is the ascension that leads to worship. The ascension that leads to worship. Also within the text it says that all authority has been given to Christ. And that will be the second, Christ's authority. The third will be the confirmation of baptism. The fourth would be the perseverance in the Lord, or the Lord persevering with us. I think all of these things give us an idea of how we should make disciples, because again, if we think about it, the test itself is very simple and explanatory. The command that God. The Lord Jesus Christ has given us is to is sum up in three verbs. Go make disciples. That's it. I can stop right now and leave. And that would be my sermon, because that's the summation of our command. It is not a request from the Lord. It is a command within those three verbs. But what I want to do is just give everyone a fresh look on this particular text to look at it differently than those three commands. Although those three commands are important. So let's start with the ascension that leads to worship and how that applies to making disciples. As you can see in verse 17 Matthew record, and when they saw him, they what? Worship him. They worship him. This particular word, worship, in Greek is, is pronounced as proskuneo. It literally means that you're bowing your knees and placing your forehead on the ground, To the individual that you're surrendering your heart, your mind, and your soul to. It literally means that this is where we get our English word from. To prostrate. To bow before someone that is superior to us. Ask yourself, why worship is important to evangelize why is that very important to to go out to make disciples of which we are evangelizing well one worship as we just did a couple of minutes ago it gives us that fervor to to be replenished to go out and make disciples to go out to to back in the trenches where we should be and make disciples not too long ago chris and i just came back from a retreat and that's for us so much to the point where it was like we need to do this over and over and the reason why is because it gave us a new outlook it recharged us to the point where we said to ourselves, hey, we are now focused. We can do this. Because being in the trenches every single day is not good. You need a break sometimes. So as we come here, we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And it should, for everyone that is here, it should invigorate you. It should cause you to be so enthusiastic to the point where when you leave here, after listening to the worship songs, after listening to this sermon, to say to yourself, Okay, I am now recharged. I can go and make disciples. So that's one aspect. In verse 17, again, it says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. And the reason why I have these two put together, not only because... Matthew recorded because we need to really understand what Matthew is getting at. The disciples that were there was more than the 11 disciples subtracting uh, Judas, which he would have made 12. The disciples were there, it was pretty much the 500 men that Jesus showed himself to. Not only that, it could have been the reason why they doubted is to the point where they lost focus of what their calling was. This is not the first time that the Lord Jesus Christ have shown himself to the disciples. But it will be the last. So what I'm saying is that the 500 men which is a great possibility that they were there too, in Galilee, on this mountain, have doubted. Because the eleven disciples who seen Jesus Christ over and over again had evidence that it was the Lord. Like doubting Thomas, for example. Thomas said, I would not believe until I stick my finger in his wounds and touch his side. This particular doubt that is written in our Bibles is not the doubt that comes from sinfulness. It is not the doubt that comes from necessarily unbelief. It's more of the doubt that just needs a little bit of evidence. One of my, uh, one of the guys that I listened to, John MacArthur, he mentioned that if we all take off, for those who wear glasses, if we all take off our, our glasses, everything will seem all f- <laughs> See, Roscoe take off his glasses. <laughs> everything will seem so foggy. Everything was seen so muffled. Have you ever thought about that? If, if the invention of glasses were never created, everyone in the world will be walking around <laughs> with foggy eyesight. So whatever the case may be for those disciples to doubt, they just needed a little evidence. It could have been the sun gleaming in their eyes. It could have been Christ's glorified state in a similar sense that he's transfigured himself as he did on the mountain with James, John, and Peter. But they doubted it. So what they needed was a little evidence. They needed a little evidence. The doubt that Matthew, again, mentioned is not a doubt of sinfulness. Because if we take Judas for an example, who had evidence upon evidence upon evidence to the point where he didn't believe at all. That is the doubt of sinfulness. That is the doubt of unbelief where Judas saw people being raised from the dead. He saw people being healed and that Jesus performed miracles to unreasonable evidence. He saw all these things. But yet, his doubt was a doubt of sinfulness to the point that it caused him not only to believe, but also to take his own life. This is a bit different. Beloved, if there is any doubt in your faith in Christ, it will cause you to not worship Jesus. If there is any doubt in And your faith, it will cause you to not wholeheartedly, fervently worship Jesus Christ. Because our doubt sometimes causes us to stumble to the point where we not only need evidence, we just get into a some form of stupor. Or, sometimes our doubt can be like the father who had a demon-possessed boy when he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. For that father to believe, he believed that Jesus could have healed his son, but it is something about the nature of us that calls us to not believe, to calls us to have skepticism. Repeatedly, as we all know, the Bible stated emphatically that we need to have faith. We need to have faith. It is similar to what... It is similar to the faith that Peter had when Peter and the rest of the apostles saw Jesus walking on water and they all were afraid and thought Jesus was a ghost. But as soon as Peter recognized that it was the Lord indeed, he asked the Lord, Lord, can I command me to walk on water? And the Lord said, come. Now, we all would naturally jump on Peter uh, for losing faith, but he was the only one that got out of that boat. So Peter walked on the water and as soon as he realized the reality around him where winds and waves are crashing in on the boat and everywhere he is walking, he lost sight. He started to sink, as we all know the story. So Jesus ran over, lifted them up off of the water. Both of their feet were planted on the water. And Jesus said, Oh, you with little faith. Why is this important to evangelize? We understand that worship help us to go out into the mission field. We understand that doubting kind of stops us into the point where we don't want to make any moves. But our faith encourages us. It carries us to the point where we don't have any answers to the things that we are doing. Over and over, Pastor Gus tells me stories about the history of this church. And I, it seems to amaze me every time. I'm saying to myself, we're such a small church. How are we doing these great and wonderful things for the community? How are we, like the story that he told me about the carnival, for such a small church to do something on that mat into is a great thing. Our faith is very important when it comes to evangelism. The second thing that we need to be mindful of is Christ's authority. Christ's authority. The ascension of Christ testifies to Jesus' authority. And it is there on this mountain that the disciples will physically see Jesus for the last time. However, it is memorializing... Christ ascension into the heavens to sit at the right hand of the father. Knowing that by him sitting at the right hand of the father, he has been given all authority. I don't necessarily agree with one commentary that I have read where he states that this authority has nothing to do with the divinity of Christ. I think it has everything to do with it. Of who Christ is. That he is God. When Christ, for example, when Christ descended, taking the form of a human to be birthed through the uterus of one of his creatures, he gave up equality of being God. Does that make sense, church? Taking the form of a servant. To become like us. To become one of us. He gave up his equality. Something to be grasped, as scripture tells us. But now, his humiliation was completed. Now his glorification is now in place. For he has now been glorified by every single person and every single creature that is walks on this earth like turn to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21 and 23 This is when Paul is telling the Ephesians about the importance of the gospel. The first three chapters of Ephesians talk about the gloriousness of the gospel. The last three chapters talk about how to live like Christians. But within Ephesians chapter 1 verses 21 through 23, Paul writes about Christ's authority to give us an ideal of what Jesus said to his disciples. It says, starting in verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority, and power, in dominion, and above every name that is named, and not only in this age, but also in the age to come, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can turn back to that. Uh, Matthew, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to come to a point in your life to understand that you are his disciple. And by being a disciple, you have, in a sense, that authority that Christ has given to the church. Some people can misunderstand this authority. For example, when Jesus faced Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate said, Do you not know that I have the right to release you or crucify you? Jesus responded by saying, You don't have any right unless it was given to you from heaven. This authority is practically talks about his divinity. It talks about who Christ is, the Christology of Christ himself. In other words, learning about the theology of Christ. And the reason I'm saying this is because Jesus repeatedly said over and over throughout the Gospels that he will lay down his life and he has the power to raise it up again. I don't know any dead person, or any person for that matter, can say to himself that when I die, I'm going to have the power and the authority to raise my own life. It's like in John chapter 10, verse 17, when Lazarus died, Christ made it a point to those who were watching, to Mary and Martha, that saying, he will rise again, to just to show who Christ is. To show himself as God himself. Amen. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. So we understand that the ascension of Christ leads to worship and helps us to evangelize. We understand that Christ's authority is important. The third thing the confirmation of baptism. The confirmation of baptism. It says in verse 18. All authority in the heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The confirmation of baptism. Because they all, all these things that I'm giving to you guys is interlocked with each other. For those who need to, for those who are going to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is being baptized in the authority of Christ. In the authority of Christ. It gives those who is in the church to act on the behalf of their Lord. I am happy to admit that one of our becoming members, Tiana, she will be baptized. Right? Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 (laughs) And with that being said, we're not baptizing her in the name of Akron Alliance. We're baptizing her in the name of God Himself. That's a stark difference. A very stark difference. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 21, verse 22, Peter states, Baptism, which corresponds to this now, saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Also in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it states, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. When Christ was buried and he raised When God the Father raised him from the dead, it is that same authority that we now have once we are baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, understood this in uh, Acts chapter 9, when the Lord struck him down blind on the Damascus road, when he came back to his senses, one of the characters in the Bible in the said, Paul, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. The fourth theme: perseverance in the Lord, or persevering in the Lord. See, baptism is the acknowledgement that the individual accepted the Lord Jesus Christ over their life. After baptism comes the transformation and teaching to the individual. Baptism is not enough. We must teach individuals the transforming truths of Christ so that every individual will conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. To use Tiana as another example, if we just baptize her and leave it at that and not teach her what the Lord commands the church to teach, then we're not making disciples. Two things that baptism does. One, it really telling the individual that when you are baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, you are actually converting to the truths of Christ himself. That's what conversion implies. So what we teach here and what we, what we say to individuals who desire to be baptized and who desire to become a disciple It's what God commanded us. And this is what the Lord Jesus have commanded the disciples. In verse 20, he says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. To recap a little bit, the disciples It's it's, it's heading out from Galilee to the ends of the world. And this is the command that the Lord is giving them. If you turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 7 through 8, I will give you an example of what I'm saying. Acts chapter 1, verse 7 through 8, in fact, 7 through 11, or the entire chapter 1 of Acts, is practically where it's the beginning of the Christian church. And this is what the Lord said. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fits by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Why is this important for the disciples? It's important because it gives them the locality of where they're going to start. For us... Our Jerusalem is here in Akron, within our own community. Our Judea is beyond Akron itself. Our Samaria is further than that point as well. It is the multiplication of how we start things, where we this is our beach as Pastor Gus put it. We have to protect the beach. Right? But while we're holding down the fork here, we are moving toward the next destination. And the disciples understood this. Because in back in Luke, you can say where you are in your Bibles. Back in Luke. The disciples understood this. According to Luke, chapter 24, verse 48, I'm reading from the ESV again. It says you are witnesses of well, verse 47. It says, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name of all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. 48, you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. So, several things. Number one, this is the beginning of their ministry, they're going to be witnesses. Number two, the command for them to stay. In Jerusalem, so that the Holy Spirit can come, shows us that the Holy Spirit is who we depend upon. Amen. Because in our own strength and in our own might, we were not accomplished anything. The great dependence that we have on the Holy Spirit gives us the way to accomplish our goals. I like to read biographies about the uh, disciples because it gives me an idea of how their life in. And what I want to do right now is just share with you how they were witnesses. And by the way, that particular word, witness, and English really mean martyrs. And martyrs means witness. It's kind of interchangeable. Um, James, the son of Zebedee, he was put to death by Herod Agrippa I shortly before the day of the Passover. And that's in Acts 12, 1 through 2. John, there's no record of his death, but we do know from the book of Revelation that he lived in exile on the island of Patmos, being a witness. Andrew, it was reported by tradition that he was crucified. Matthew, it is reported that he became a missionary to The Parthians and Medes, and another tradition says that he later died as a martyr in Ethiopia. Thomas is by tradition. He was a missionary in a modern in India. Zachariah is kind of testifies to that. James it by tradition, it states that he was thrown off a cliff and stoned to death. Jude, the writer of Jude, by tradition, he died as a martyr as well. So we have—that's not all of the disciples, but we have an, an ideal of where the disciples began and where their life ended. Am I saying that? Our lives is going to end just as the disciples. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, since we are Christ's disciples, we are to be his witnesses. Amen? Amen. And let me recap, and with that I will come to a close. We have practically five, four things the ascension that leads to worship, Christ's authority, the confirmation of baptism, and preserving in the Lord. And another side you know about preserving in the Lord. It is it had to take the disciples to know the truth to die the way they died. Amen. So, go make disciples. If you want this church to grow, start making disciples. If you don't understand nothing else what I said, I'm sure you understood that. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for your precious sheep. I ask you that you will give them the fervor and the will and the desire to go out into their Jerusalem and also their Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world to go and proclaim the truths of your gospel. I do ask you uh, to help them to start making disciples within their own homes within their own communities, with their neighbors, with their coworkers, uh, for the life of this church. Um, we are a spiritual, uh, spiritually fit church. And with that being said, we understand your truths. But there is something that is missing, and I just ask you to show us. Uh, show us your will for this church. Give us a heart.